Hey, it's Alan Carter. Here's what's on the podcast today. More revelations about Charles McVitie and Canada Christian College. Why is Doug Ford using an omnibus bill at Queen's Park to reward a political supporter and a friend? Plus, mental health and men. Do men in rural areas have the supports they need? All that, plus Borat. What is that giant inflatable Borat doing at the waterfront And why is Rudy Giuliani in the film? All of that is coming up. Something is not right in the province of Ontario. If I could crib a line from Hamlet, something smells in the state of Ontario. Something is not right. It's just a kind of of a waft to it. You know, like sometimes when you open the fridge and you reach in and you get something, you think, no, something's not right in here. Something's not right. I tell you, in my and I'm going to get to what stinks in just a moment, but I tell you, in my house, in my house, when the fridge smells, there's always only one party responsible, and that's my wife because she hides Tupperware containers of black beans in the back of the fridge. And I say, look, it smells in here like something has passed away. And I suspect you've hidden more beans. And she's like, no, it's not me. And inevitably, it's the beans. And you don't find them till later, and then the whole house stinks. But that's another story for another day, because what smells in the province of Ontario is what's going on with Canada Christian College. Canada Christian College is, as the name might indicate a Christian college, and it is based in Oshawa, and the head of that college is Charles McVitie. Mr. McVitie not, is not only just the president of that college, he is in many ways the embodiment of that school. Who is Charles McVitie? Charles McVitie is a controversial figure who has railed in the past against same-sex education. I'm going to take you through some of the things that he has said. They are, as I may have mentioned, controversial, even within the Christian family. Now, why is it that I'm talking about Christian College and Charles McVitie? Well, in an omnibus bill that the Doug Ford conservatives just released earlier this week, it's supposed to actually be about reducing red tape for business, but contained within that bill is the allowance to let Canada Christian College give out degrees for science. Science. And why that is raising a lot of eyebrows is that Mr. McVitie has been a longtime supporter and friend of Doug Ford. And so... Now, let's just keep in mind here, we haven't arrived at this out of nowhere. We have a history of this government, of this premier, reaching out to reward friends. Ron Tavner, anybody? Head of the OPP? Anybody remember that? I know it was in the before times. You've wiped your mind of that. Everything since March, you know, anything before March, you've forgotten about. You've thrown out like some stinky beans. But there is a pattern here. And so that's how we arrive here 
where somehow in the middle of an omnibus bill that is supposed to help businesses with the pandemic, we have contained in there an article that will allow Charles McVitie to give out degrees from Canada Christian College. Well, now that seems odd, does it not? And here, here's Mike Crawley from the CBC asking Doug Ford, Premier of this province, exactly about this. And here's Doug Ford. How come you're using this bill to uh, turn your friend to Charles McVitie's uh, Canada Christian College into a university and give it the power to grant Bachelor of Arts and Science degrees? Well, uh, again, uh, uh, Mike, I, I have a lot of friends within churches and and colleges and so on and so forth, but uh, this was a college under the, the Liberals as well. And uh, he went through the process, uh, like every other college, and the process is independent, so good luck to him. That is Doug Ford. Good luck to Charles, to uh, Mr. McVitie. Good luck, Charles McVitie. Good luck to you. I got a lot of friends. I have many, many friends. Uh, it just so happens that this particular friend helped Doug Ford win the leadership of the Conservative Party and then endorsed Doug Ford in the election, encouraged his flock to go and vote for Doug Ford, was actually Doug Ford's guest at one of the debates. You're not allowed to invite very many people to those debates. Doug Ford picked Charles McVitie front and center. Now, what about this process? Okay, Doug Ford says it's a process. It's a process here. It's an independent process. Well, what we have here in the province is something called the Post-Secondary Education Quality Assessment Board. Now, this is an independent agency. The Premier's right. It's an independent agency that considers applications for new degree programs and makes recommendations to the ministry, and this Ross Romano is the minister in charge of uh, universities and post-secondary. So this post-secondary education quality assessment board would make a recommendation to the minister, and now the minister says that he is considering Two applications from Canada Christian College. And one of the applications was to change its name to the Canada University and School of Graduate Theological Studies. And, oh, here, and I just uh, take this from a CBC article. Here's something that really sticks out at me. Uh, The other proposal to create a new Bachelor of Arts and a Bachelor of Science degree program, that proposal was submitted last month. Last month. I don't know if you're doing any math here, but uh, the Liberals were voted out in 2018. So don't give me this. It's under the Liberal thing. You know, good luck to him. Wait a second. Just last month, this proposal came through, and it already makes its way into an omnibus bill that has nothing to do with it whatsoever, and this is going to go before the legislature? Something smells, folks. Something smells like some bad beans. It's not right. And listen, you know, you can look at it two ways. And I think it's really important to look at it at two ways. There's two things here. One, uh, why are we rewarding Charles McVitie? Because to give you a context here, Charles McVitie is the Jerry Falwell of Ontario, and we're about to give him the ability to create his own Liberty University. Is that what we want in this province? 
you know, people were upset if you listened to the program yesterday. And listen, if you get a chance, uh, you know, to not be upset by the program or if you miss some portion of the program uh, or you want to share it with somebody else and get them outraged, <laughs> I recommend uh, the podcast, The Alan Carter Show, which is available uh, in podcast form. You can get it in all of your favorite potty stores. Is there a potty store? I don't know. I got a bit of a potty mouth, I'll tell you that. Now, people were upset when they heard both live and in the podcast what I talked about yesterday, where I, I really talked about my own personal experience and why it is I think I have a unique perspective on a guy like Charles McVitie and on a place like Canada Christian College. Because I was raised in a religious family, went to church, in my teen years, yeah, I went further. I went much, much further, and I, I became an evangelist, a real true believer. I was going to be a missionary. I was going to go convert the world. I was convinced that I had the answers. I was convinced in a way that only the young can be convinced of something. If you recall your own youth, you likely had some moments where you were like, I'm 100% about this thing, and then you realize later, well, that was wrong. Or you just have that belief that, that takes hold of you. And and I still have a deep and abiding respect for people of faith. I do. My family, my friends, very, very deeply religious, and I have respect for that. But it is not something that I share. But I tell you this because I have a perspective on guys like Charles McVitie, on places like Canada Christian College, because they might talk about higher learning and theology, but the basis of it, the basis of that, is this is this absolute belief that they know better than you. They know what's right for society. And you, hmm, sorry, you're probably going to hell, so you know, I'll tolerate you now on this in this on this plane, but you know, you're going to get your comeuppance. Do we want our own Jerry Falwell? Do we want somebody who preaches and rails against same-sex unions? I went through our archives here at Global News, looked back at some of the things that uh, we'd covered, Charles McFeedy. One of the ones really stuck out at me. 2012, this goes back to 2012, uh, one of our reporters at the time did a story about the TDSB had a series of posters that they'd put up in schools uh, that said, you know, love has no gender. There were other posters that showed, you know, various different family units, you know, two moms, two dads, you know, the, just the, the reflecting what the reality is in our society. Now, you know, families come in different sizes. They come in different shapes. They come in different genders. And Charles McVitie railed about it, said we're brainwashing children, we're confusing them about their own gender. It's not that we're reflecting back to children the reality of what's going on around them. No, no, we're brainwashing the children. And so Doug Ford has decided that Charles McVitie should have himself, good luck to him, by the way, 
should have himself a degree-granting institution. Uh, remember I, I mentioned that this thing just came in in the last month? That, well, well, the news from the the response from the ministry, from Ross Romano, the, the, the actual ministry in charge of this thing. Let me just check to see if they've responded to me, because I, I put a request in this morning, and they promised they'd get back to me. Let me just bring it up here. No, I just don't have anything from them at all. Nothing. But the CBC reports that the ministry says that it's actually not a done deal yet, even though it's in the legislation that the recommendation still has not come through that independent board. So wait a second, the independent board hasn't said yes to it, but we put it in a piece of legislation that we've introduced to the House? Something stinks, folks. And I want to leave off this segment with this. Earlier this week, Doug Ford, he paid tribute to Kathleen Wynne, who, of course, as you may know now, is not running in the next election. Uh, He paid tribute to her. Well, she stood in the House today and said, well, I appreciate those words. I do. Um, You know, Doug Ford celebrated her for being, you know, the first openly gay premier to be elected in this country. And regardless what you think of Kathleen Wynne's politics, she speaks for a lot of people in this province when she stands up in the house like she did today and says this why this government would extend the mandate of the most publicly and vocally homophobic man in ontario why in the name of all that is decent would this minister validate the hateful vicious racist and homophobic rhetoric of charles mcfeedy by extending the reach of his canada christian college why 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 would we extend the reach of Canada Christian College? Something smells like some bad beans in the province of Ontario. We've got a big segment with a very, very important subject, especially for men who live in rural areas of the province coming right up. But can I just quickly go back to what I was speaking about in our last segment? I again talking about the stink that surrounds uh, Charles McVitie and his Canada Christian College and the fact that in an omnibus bill that is supposed to deal with red tape, some for some reason, the Ontario government and Doug Ford has decided to let Christian College in Oshawa become a degree-granting institution. You can get a degree in science. Right. Um, but I went off on this, and every time I do, uh, and I, you know, I just talked about my own upbringing and 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 some of the real reservations I have about this kind of evangelical Christian outreach and this kind of evangelical evangelical Christian college. And every time I do, somebody writes into me and says this something like, "Well, would you have the same kind of problem if it was a Muslim school?" Like, who 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 mentioned Islam? Like, what has that got to do with anything? I get, like, I appreciate the email, but give your head a shake. Truly. Like, what? It, it's got nothing to do with it. Anyway, Doug Ford is up at, uh, what is he up at? 145 today. 145 is uh, when he's up today, and I expect there to be, will be questions about Charles McVitie, his relationship to Charles McVitie and this whole idea that somehow it's an independent commission deciding this because the evidence shows that the application came in 11 days ago and already, already there it is 
in that proposed legislation. There's more on that coming up. But let's get to this really important study that came out this week from the Canadian Medical Association Journal. And what it looked at is almost 6,500 firearm-related incidents in Ontario between the years 2002 and 2016. So you start thinking guns, right? You're thinking, wow, you know, you got your gangbangers, you got young men in inner inner cities with guns and all the rest of that. Um, Well, that's part of it, but that's not the real story, folks. The real story is that two-thirds of cases involving firearms involved self-harm by men over the age of 45, living mainly in remote parts of the province. And let me bring that home to you one more time. Gun deaths, the majority of them, are men killing themselves, and predominantly men in rural areas, middle-aged men. Why? What is going on? To get a better sense of what's really happening out there, I am pleased to welcome to the program David Clark, who's with the Durham Mental Health Services. Welcome, David. Thank you. So glad to be here. When you, I understand that this is not particularly a, a new thing, middle-aged men in rural areas and difficulty with mental health. Were you surprised, though, by these numbers when they came out? Yeah, the numbers are startling. And uh, I think having worked the perspective of a mental health agency for a long time, maybe uh, less startling to us than they would be to the general public, because of course we're seeing people reach out for help on a frequent basis. And certainly, uh, you know, men typically avoid seeking treatment for physical or mental health problems, and uh, so so often struggle alone with what they're going through. There's two things here. It's middle-aged men in rural areas. Let's begin with the gender aspect. You, you sort of mentioned, I think, think something that every man would recognize is that we just sort of generally have an avoidance of doctors or anything medical. Right. Yeah. I think another factor as well is that men typically put their own needs, you know, not first. So they may be thinking about Uh, their organization's needs in terms of their work as an employee or they may be thinking of their family's needs and kind of put their own needs last. There's a lot of toxic messages out there, I think, in our society around men and mental health, suggesting that, you know, any sign of mental health concern is a weakness, perhaps, or um, messages that say, you know, kind of uh, get over it or, you know, um, suck it up. And so men, I think, are sometimes not feeling like they have the freedom to talk openly about what's happening in terms of their thoughts and their feelings. Yeah, man up. You know, you hear that all the time. Just man up. Man like whatever up. The, well, I don't know what the hell that means, really. I don't. I don't understand it. Right. Um, and, 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 you know, I think we've made some inroads, have we not, in dealing with the stigma, but really it, it hasn't reached perhaps that demographic. Right, right. Yeah. So the stigma is still quite pervasive. I think there have been changes at a society level, but it hasn't reached everyone equally, you know, and still I think a lot of those unhelpful messages, people also may not know a lot about how treatable many 
common mental illnesses are, or you could even just think of them in terms of, you know, common mental health problems, things like depression or anxiety. These are common medical problems with available and effective treatments. And uh, if that message can get out, maybe men will be more likely to speak to a family member, speak to a doctor, reach out to a community mental health resource or even a hospital as needed in order to get the kind of assistance that they need. Okay, then, well, that brings us to the second part of the discussion, and that is rural. You talked about available help, available resources. Are those resources really available for men who live in rural areas of this province? Yeah, I don't know, um, you know, a lot of detail about uh, access to services in rural areas. I would say probably you would be right. Uh, there may be a more limited services available in, in rural areas, but there are helplines that are, you know, province-wide as well. And uh, there are resources that people can kind of reach out to. One useful resource, I think, for people to find out about mental health and addiction services in their area, for example, is Connects Ontario, which uh, is an online resource that can give people detailed information about where they can reach support. Give, give me some more details on that how did, for our listeners out there. How to, so is that a, yeah. is that a website? So what is that? Connects Ontario, that's right, and it's C-O-N-N-E-X, Ontario. And they operate a number of sites. So they operate a mental health and addiction site and a problem gambling site. Um, and they basically provide information around, you know, reaching out to supports within your area. They'll tell you what's out there and how to connect with it and can be a very useful resource. Because certainly what services are available, you know, for your listenership at different regions of Ontario, it's going to be different. But uh, anyone listening can access this Connects Ontario and get valuable information. Great info from you, David. Thank you so much. David Clark with Durham Mental Health Services. I appreciate you uh, being on the show today. Great. Thank you so much. Glad to have the opportunity to talk. So, folks, if you're a middle-aged man, if you're a man of a certain vintage, as I like to say, like myself, you know that vintage. I know. You, you, here's the vintage that I am. Uh, what, I, what I appreciate when I get my hair cut now is that uh, whoever's cutting my hair just deals with my ears and eyebrows and doesn't even ask. Like, that's the vintage I am. If you're of that vintage <laughs> where, where you need that kind of help, that personal grooming help, then, you know, there, there are resources for you. And I know you. I see you because I'm like you. I know you internalize it, right? You put your shoulders back and you say, give me more. I can take more on these shoulders. These shoulders are broad. Has my family got a problem? Put that on my shoulders. Pandemic wish issues? Put that on my shoulders. Worry about the future? Put it on my shoulders. My shoulders are broad. And we do that as men, don't we? And it is so important to sometime. Just take it all off. Let your shoulders relax a little bit. You don't have to carry it all. There are supports. And you are not alone. Reach out. There is a new Borat movie. You may have heard of this. And if you didn't know about it, if you're down there by the waterfront, you may be wondering why is that giant inflatable nude dude doing down here? That's kind of weird. High five. Yeah. Borat, of course, has a new movie out, and, you know, in and of itself, a new Borat movie would be, you know, I guess newsworthy, I suppose. <laughs> but it's a portion within the film that has caught everybody's attention. And with more on that, 
Here is Oscar Wells Gabriel. Rudy Giuliani ends up in a rather compromising position in the new Borat movie. He is seen lying on his back on a hotel bed with his hands down the front of his pants as a young woman pretending to be a journalist stands before him. The former New York City mayor was lured to the hotel thinking he was being asked about the COVID-19 pandemic when the young woman flirts with him and invites him to a bedroom. As he lays on his back, comedian Sasha Baron Cohen rushes in and declares that the woman is 15. Trump's attorney says he was set up and did nothing inappropriate. I'm Oscar Wells Gabriel. Oh, it's a setup! It's a setup! Well, that is... Gosh, that's got to be embarrassing. You find yourself in a Borat movie right before the election, and you just happen to be Donald Trump's personal lawyer. Naughty, naughty. It is a little naughty, isn't it, Borat? So what really gives? What really happens in the movie? Is this all blown out of proportion? Chris Jenselowitz is with Global News. He's seen the movie. He joins me on the line. Hey, Chris. Hi. High five, Chris. High five. Uh, let's begin with this scene in question. Did it jump out at you when you saw it? Uh, to say jump out would be an understate- understatement uh, <laughs> of this century. Uh, so this is pretty much towards the end of the movie. Um, I don't want to spoil too much. I just want to say that I don't know if I've ever had a time where my jaw was actually like hanging down, and I didn't even realize it was hanging. Um, it is in my head was in my hands. Like I was actually holding my head in my hands because of that description you just played. While yes, it does run down all the details about what happened. It's an entirely different thing to see the scene. You have to see it yourself to believe what happened. So yes, Rudy Giuliani came out yesterday saying that the, uh, the scene was a hit job. You know, uh, they might've doctored footage. He suggested there might've been some doctored footage, but as you will see for yourself, when you watch, when it comes out on Amazon tomorrow, you will see how disturbing it is. <laughs> the scene is so disturbing. It's probably about 10 minutes in length, uh, and the things that happen are just absolutely jaw-dropping. Now, I mean, you know, you've seen a lot of movies, you know media, you know how you can be manipulated. Yes. You get a sense that you're getting the real deal here or that it was really torqued. Okay, it really does not feel cut. I, I will say, though, that um, Borat's uh, partner in crime during the movie... Um, forgive me, I'm blanking on her name at the moment, but um, her character, so she's posing as a journalist. I will say that she is very flirtatious. There's a lot of touching of leg. There's a lot of, uh, you know, she, I think she puts balloons in her dress because she, before she goes to the interview, she finds out that Juli, Rudy Giuliani, Giuliani allegedly likes large-breasted women. So she puts naughty, balloons. Naughty. <laughs> <laughs> so she puts huge balloons in her dress. And goes in. So there's a lot of, uh, you know, effort to uh, seduce him. Um, there's a lot of, of smiling, flirtation, touching. Uh, so, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say, you know, that's not her. It's not his fault. I mean, you have some self-control, right? Um, so Are you asking me? I hope not. I'm hoping, I can resist I'm hoping anything except for temptation, Chris. High five! <laughs> <laughs> you you weak spine man. No, I, I, I think I think that honestly, it was uh, it's just totally worth seeing for yourself. You know, judge for yourself. It's it's you know there are both sides to the argument, but really truly, um, to see someone of his stature, you know, a, a lawyer, um, you know, an older man, not to have the sense to 
sense something was up, uh, it's, it's a little strange to me. Yeah, now, I think the explanation from Giuliani's people about why he was lying down with his hands down his pants was mm-hmm. that he was putting on a microphone? He was taking off a microphone. Taking off a... I it put on and take off microphones every single day as part of my job as a new anchor, news anchor here at Global News, and not once have I put my, pan, my hand down my pants. Well, not you're once. not putting the lav mic in your crotch. You're putting the lav mic uh, in your back pocket or like up on your, up on your lapel. Not Does the it. lav mic work better if it's in my crotch? <laughs> well, uh, that's that allegedly where weak. it was. <laughs> <laughs> that's allegedly where it was. I don't know. You know, but that was the excuse, yes, that he was um, adjusting his shirt and adjusting his pants and taking off the lav mic. That was the excuse. So we kind of have to go with the Giuliani's word on this one, right? Okay, let's, uh, other than just the jaw-dropping Giuliani bit, how's this thing work as a movie? Is it worth it? You know, um... There are scenes where I had to turn away. I mean, I, I, I'm not a prude by any stretch. Like, I, I watch some pretty grody horror movies. I, I'm not, you know, not squeamish. Um, but there were scenes where I had to lower my head. I, I couldn't look, you know. Some, some things are just uproariously funny, though. There are scenes that are just, I was laughing my head off. Uh, other scenes, I was more uncomfortable. Um, but, you know, if you're going into a Borat movie, you should really be expecting to be uncomfortable. Um, there's a lot of satire. Um, you know, the U.S. Uh, COVID response is is made fun of a lot. Um, the conspiracy theories about uh, Q- QAnon and Hillary Clinton, all of that stuff is addressed. Um, they go to a Georgian debutante ball, which I didn't even know existed anymore. Um, so it's, it's a lot of really just peeking again into the U.S. Uh, South. A lot of it takes place in the South. So you see, you know, some very strange and unfortunate things. Have you seen what's going on down at the waterfront? I don't know if you're anywhere near there, but there's a no. giant inflatable Borat down there now. You know, I saw a picture on social media. Um, do you remember years past we had the duck? And I guess now we have... I was I was just speaking Borat. in our last segment about how I climbed inside yeah. the butt's bum once. Well, is there an option to climb inside Borat? I don't know if anyone would want to I, do that. I, do, I, don't, I don't know. I hope not. I hope not. <laughs> We're going to go check, for sure. <laughs> naughty, naughty. <laughs> Chris Jenselowitz. He's got his hands not down his pants. He's always great to talk to you. Chris, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thanks, Alan. The new Borat movie, as you heard, coming out shortly on Amazon, featuring that super awkward scene with Rudy Giuliani. Can we talk numbers? I haven't had a chance to talk numbers yet today, and I just want to quickly go over the COVID numbers before we leave you for this program in our daily numbers today, 841, 841. Now, don't get too wrapped up in the daily numbers. I'm going to talk about that in just a second. But I want to give you the numbers that you should get wrapped up in, and that is the testing number, which is 38,000, still well below the 50,000 that we'd been promised. I was promised 50,000, and the pending is 34,000 again, so we still constantly have this test and pending thing equal. Uh, and, And what we've heard from the Minister of Health now is that it is true that it's just fewer people getting tested. It's not that we don't have the capacity. It's just this new messaging about, you know, you got to get an appointment, all the rest of that. That has really dropped the number of tests. And is that a good thing? And here's another number that this is not good. Hospitalizations up again by 10. That continues to climb. ICU is up by three. And I will point this number up because my friends in Halton, if you're a regular listener to this program or this podcast, uh, by the way, if you haven't listened to it in podcast form, really, it's delicious as a potty. 
but the, the the Halton numbers today may mean that I may have been premature in calling out Halton as soon to uh, move into a modified stage two. Uh, the numbers are still not great, but keep you not keep you in mind. Twenty nine, twenty nine is your case number in Halton today. Just give you perspective, Ottawa, which is, of course is in the modified stage two, it's seventy two. And just give you a perspective, but Halton earlier this week was in the 60s. And, you know, if we keep Halton down, you know, under 30, low numbers like that, it'll be all right. But if it continues the other kind of trend, I think uh, Hamilton and Oakville and uh, Milton will all soon be in a modified stage, too. But the the news is better, is my point there. Uh, Real quickly, I want to talk about uh, something that has come out. And we have this guy on Global News today on the TV side and hope to get him on. Uh, Global News tonight at 5.30. Uh, His name is Jean-Paul Soucy. I hope I'm pronouncing his name correctly. Uh, And he is a infectious disease epidemiology PhD student. And he has written a very, very long Twitter thread, 48, one of 48, 48 tweets. But what he says is really backs up what I have been saying for weeks, which is, Let's not pay attention to that daily number because it is out of date. Because, first of all, it's a lagging indicator in terms of the infection. So the numbers that we're seeing today really have an, imp- uh, an indication of what we did two weeks ago. And two weeks ago, you know, we're into Thanksgiving. So th- that's the indication that we have now. So, it, it, you know, when you see that daily number, that's not... That's not what's going on right now. That's what happened two weeks ago. And then when we have the delays in processing, that makes it even further away. So, you know, we get these headlines day in and day out about the daily numbers, and really that's not the number you need to be looking at. The numbers that you need to be looking at are some of the other things that I detailed for you there. And those are the hospitalization numbers and the ICU numbers, and also the test and test pending numbers, because that is where we get our test positivity from. And I don't know if you know that test positivity number. That is a key, key number. That is, you know, it is what it sounds like. It's, you know, the percentage of tests that we do that come back positive. And if that thing gets over 3%, you're in trouble. And in some places in Toronto, as you might know, it is double digit. It is in like 10, 12%. And that's a big, big problem. That is the number you need to be paying attention to. The other number that I, I rarely mention, I rarely mention this number, and I'm going to tell you why, but it is big today, um, and it, it is, I, I think we just have to mention it, and that is nine more deaths from COVID-19 in the province of Ontario, and our total death number is now 3,071 I don't mention it often because, A, it's grim, not that it's not something we need to keep our eye on, but sometimes I think we fetishize these death numbers, and I don't really think it is helpful. I don't. I, you know, having a running tally day in and day out, I, I, I don't, th- I mean, it, it brings home to us, of course, the severity and the reason that we're doing all the things that we're doing, the reason we're keeping distant, the reason we're wearing masks, is we don't want to see that number go up anymore. But when you have a real-time ticker of death, I think it just sort of skews our look at what we need to do and how it is we're doing overall. I'll leave that with you here today. Coming up in 
about an hour's time, Doug Ford. Speaking a little later than normal today, and there will be questions about Charles McVitie. If you didn't hear the beginning of the program and my take on Charles McVitie in Canada Christian College and why it is that Doug Ford is rewarding a friend and a political supporter, that's the podcast for today. Don't forget to catch The Alan Carter Show weekdays starting at noon.